episode 69 Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway. We're late May. Another game seven. Tampa Bay standing by and Edmonton, Colorado on May 31st. Craig, when I think of May 31st, think of 87, game seven. I thought, wow, luckily we'll never get to June hockey. <laughs> That's what I thought in 87. That was a great final when Glenn Anderson beat Ron Hextall. Oilers win the Stanley Cup. I thought May 31st. Craig, how little did I know? How little did I know about June hockey? Well, June hockey is here. I mean, I, I mean, it's going to go into late June this year only because of uh, the delays and the pauses because of the pandemic. And, you know, like, I mean, we've come to accept that, you know, the Stanley Cup will be handed out in June. We have an 82-game schedule. Quite frankly, Steve, I'll be straightforward and, and direct. I don't want hockey in September. I don't want regular season hockey in September. No way. We're going to start the middle of October like we always have. And part of that is we can't condense the schedule. So that means we get Stanley Cup hockey in June. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, maybe we start October 1st and April 1st in a perfect world. And I know certain players talk about being ready at the start of the year and not getting a lot of games and there's television, new uh, partners. Really, for two weeks, am I going to, what am I going to do? For two weeks, instead of June 10th, June 24th? I mean, selfishly for us in broadcasting, taking it into late June, giving us a, a, a week of July activities. <laughs> selfishly, that benefits me the most. Like the highway they built back here, it takes me to downtown. They put it in for me, Craig. So if they're going to go to late June, hey, selfishly gives us something to talk about. Well, the NHL, like you think about the NHL being on the calendar, you know, if you can be on a sports calendar 12 months a year or as close to 12 months a year as possible, that's good. That's good for the National Hockey League. It's good for any sport. Bottom line is, is I know you're not turning off your TV when the calendar turns to June 1st. And if the Stanley Cup final is played on June 29th or June 27th, you'll be watching attentively. You know, there's no Kia Cup to hand out this year because I know you'd win that too. <laughs> Go look at that Google Kia Cup and you'll see Craig pulling a fast one on me some eight years ago. So let's do Rangers and Canes. Let's start with Saturday and then work our way to a game seven, the 190th game seven in Stanley Cup playoff history. Did Antti Ranta blow it? Saturday? Oh, that, okay, so you, you, I thought there was going to be a continuation there, but that's okay. That's the beautiful of, of doing this live. Not rehearsed. I hope people don't see us as rehearsed because we're not. Uh, you're down two nothing. Come on. Like, I mean, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good at all. And so, you know what? I, I love that Rod Brindamore recognized that too. Rod Brindamore said, no, we're, we're not carrying on here. I don't care. We need to give ourselves a chance to win. And uh, those two goals. So now the, the way I always look at this this way, Steve, is that you're down two nothing. That means you need three to win. Now you, you need three to win. Like when you let in, one really bad goal, one really questionable goal. So if the Rangers just get their regular allotment of good goals, like you need more than three to win. Like, like put them in the hole. He sunk them. He sunk them. You ever play Battleship? Yeah. And you go, A-R-32. Ah, Battleship sunk. <laughs> That's what Antti Ranta did on Saturday <laughs> for, the, for the Carolina Hurricanes. He sunk the Canes. <laughs> And he's been good. And his yes, numbers he are good. 
and he's a backup. So now why would we think the narrative would change? Or do you think throw away the bad one Rangers win game six. This is why we have home ice because I probably think it might just come down to Igor versus anti when we give our official picks coming up in just a bit, but it just feels it doesn't feel good for me for a Carolina perspective. What if there's another bad one? What if it's in late in the second period, Craig? I, the chances of a bad one in the Brindamore net, it feels like it's more likely than one in the Gerard Gallant net, just to me. Okay, so, so let, let, let's just rewind here. Let's just go back. Both these teams have played a very recent Game 7. What would give you any indication in a Game 7 that either one of them is going to be subpar? I, I know we have the benefit of game six and we look at Antiranta, but there were some question marks about Igor Shesterkin during the Pittsburgh series. And, oh boy, they've gotten to Igor Shesterkin, right? Like goaltending in the National Hockey League playoffs is match play golf. Antiranta had his bad hole. Well, guess what? You're on to the next hole. Doesn't matter. You know, one of the things I'm going to rant here, I'm going to give you a little rant. You know what really bugs me? I love Ryan O'Reilly. I love Ryan O'Reilly. The reason the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup in 2019 was because of Jordan Bennington. And everybody goes, oh, look at his save percentage. No, no, no. 16 wins. 16 wins. It's about how you get there. If you think any goalie's going 16-0 and with a .950 save percentage, you're nuts. So, you know, people want to factor this in and everything. Ryan O'Reilly won a bunch of games where he didn't score. Ryan O'Reilly played in games where their team didn't win. You know what? So when I look at NHL playoffs and goaltend, it's match play. Jordan Bennington should have won the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2019. Just like Eddie Belfour should have won it in 1999, 20 years apart. Anyway, nothing against Joe Newendike, great player in the playoffs for the Stars. Nothing against Ryan O'Reilly. So, Antti Ranta, go ahead. He had, he had, he had a tough night. He, like th- That doesn't mean he's going to have two tough nights. And they have recent history. Both of those goaltenders have bounced back from bad performances. And... Their performances in the last game seven they played, oh, yeah, that was just last series, was pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I think it's going to be a tight game, right? I don't think it's going to come down to a, a bad goal or a bad goaltending. I really don't. I think both of them are up for, to the task. I might be wrong, but that's what I think today. I think a real key to this, you pointed it out earlier, five-on-five five play. The more Carolina plays at five-on-five, five, the better their chances. I agree. And I, and I think that it'll be a low power play game advantage, Carolina at home advantage, Carolina. I don't think they can play as good as they did uh, in game five. That that's almost perfect. They played behind the Rangers icing line and kept it in there. The four check was outstanding. They scored some beautiful goals, trouble mistakes, shorthanded. They got their power play goal on a great pass by Seth Jarvis uh, and then a breakaway, fake shot five hole on Shesterkin that bounced over Fox. Those are breaks. Can they create those breaks again? You know, some of the numbers have bugged me. And, and, and you know, you're a numbers guy when you look at, does it matter that Canes have won six game sevens in a row? Does it matter that the Rangers are 7-1 in game sevens? Does it matter the Rangers are 4-0 facing elimination? If they win this one tonight, they'd be 5-0. The Canes are 7-0. There's a lot of numbers there. The 190th game seven, there's a lot there. The players don't care about it, but sometimes can you go to the well once too often? Like, I don't know if you're saying I need now anti-ranta to be 
very good. I need the Canes to score first and to play the same almost perfect game. Like they're going to play four defensemen for most of the game. Then Ian Cole, five, and then Brendan Smith at six. Can the Rangers get to the five and six, which they did a couple times on Saturday? What's the Rangers underbelly? They got the kid line together again. So it, it's if everyone knew we'd all live in the Dominican Republic, we'd all live on some island. And this is why we analyze of what we expect. I think the Canes will start strong. They had a breakaway in game six. So there's Ajo against Sturkin. Yep. I'll give you a sandwich. You give me a sandwich. Well, the one sandwich, delicious. Ate up by Shesterkin. The other one, it went all over Ranta, and, and then it was over. That's what I'm concerned about, because I think the Canes will come. Like, I think the Canes will come, and let's see if they can overwhelm the Rangers. Remember your line? If the Rangers weather a storm, they've lost 10 minutes. Don't weather right back at them. And if they do that, Craig, it'll make for better hockey. Right, I, how the Rangers react to the forecheck will dictate how much fun we're going to have in the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. Right? Yeah, oh, I totally, I totally agree with you on that. So l- l- let me just go back to the numbers. Okay, so so we throw out the numbers, right? Well, guess what? Somebody's number is going to continue. Either the Rangers are going to go to five and zero in elimination games, or the Canes are going to go eight and zero at at home in the playoffs. One of those streaks is staying alive. Right. Okay. So, so now we talk about numbers, right? Okay. So what number are you picking? <laughs> it's not like, it's not like the hurricanes have lost seven straight at home. And you think, well, they have a chance to break that. They've won seven. Well, they're either going to win eight straight in the playoffs at home, or they're going to lose and that's broken. And then we have another streak open. So the numbers work in different ways and, and depending on how you want to look at it, you know, it could go either way. You're right about the breakaway by uh, Aho. I mean, but that that's where you get to in a game. Like, you know what? Moments. Moments, Steve. There's not, there's going to be breaks that you handle. There's going to be moments that you take advantage of. There's going to be moments that set you back. What you don't want to do is, is, get, is get set back significantly. And that's where Ante ran to the two goals. It wasn't the first goal. It was the first goal followed by the second goal. Right. You, you know, and so, you know, you go, oh, geez. Right. And so, you know, so how you handle that, like Anthony Ranta didn't handle that first goal bad, that first bad goal. Right. So now Rod goes, okay, good. We got to try a different way. So to me, that's where the game is at. I, 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 I hate, you know, I hate this whole idea. Oh, the first 10 minutes, you know, they're going to have to like, good. You know what? Like, you know, play back on your heels. I'll tell you what, if the Rangers come out and go with the idea that they're going to weather the storm, game over in the first 10 minutes. It might be 2 nothing by that point in time with the, with the amped up building. I'm Gerard Gallant. We're going right after him. Right after him. We're going right after him from the first drop of the puck. We're down their throats. We're, we're putting them back on their heels. Hey, opening face-off. Hey, Jordan. Jordan Stahl, if you're on the opening face-off, bring your umbrella you better be ready because it's going to rain Rangers. <laughs> so in the history of the game and then these playoffs, obviously O'Reilly on McKinnon was a big, sexy matchup, uh, as has been stall on Zibanejad. If you're Gerard Glant, you just start 93 and say, let go, let's go. And I'm going to play Zibanejad, who I think is arguably the best all-around player in the series. I'm going to play him. And the more I play him, the less you're playing 20 and 16 on your side. So are we going to get into less fourth line time 
and more star time to help decide this game. That's the way I'd go, Steve. I, I mean, so the, the Rangers get into Carolina on uh, Sunday evening, right? I, I would say, Mika, get a good night's sleep. Sleep in as long as you want on Monday, right? You know what? We might have a meeting. You know the whole deal. You're playing 25 minutes plus if we go, if we're in regulation. You're playing. You're going to start the game. That I'm already, here's my starting lineup. There it is. 93, you're starting. Here we go. I'm going right after it. I'm sending a message right early. And I'm prepared to play Mika lots. I'm going to mix it up there. I'm going to throw them out there. Fourth line, Mika's, whatever goes out there on the fourth line, Mika's going out with them. I'm doing, I'm doing the Jay Woodcroft. I'm doing like Connor McDavid. You're, you're, you're going out with these guys. And we're going to look for all those opportunities for you to be out there. I want the Carolina Hurricanes to be worried about Mika's advantage. Now. And the more he's on the ice, the more they're worried. Yeah, and I've seen coaches in the past do it. One, two, one, two, one, two, three. So we've had one, two, three, four, five, six shifts or five shifts. And I've had my number one out there three times. And Woodcroft was great as a young coach getting McDavid on two different lines. Uh, if on the Rangers, I do it. And there's a the underbelly of going Zabanajad's line, Strom's line, then the kid line against Cole and Smith is advantage Rangers. And we saw that in game six. So if I'm on the other side, can I get to Schneider and his partner, Braun? Like, is that an issue? Is that Carolina's advantage with Trocek or Ajo? Because now I think, well, the Canes love for their defense, not so much five and six. Here's where depth comes into play of attacking correctly. And I think those little storylines about the third line versus third pair, I'm intrigued how that, like we can blame Ranta for sure on the first two goals, but Brady Shea didn't handle Zabanajad well on either. The gap was too big on the first goal and on the second goal, he got walked. So I'd also have to say, Brady, if you're up quicker, you negate both chances. So it's not always just the goalie, Craig. Uh, there was something the the Canes were never when it was two nothing. You had to beat the circuit three times. Like it was never. I, I was after Zabanajad scored. I was never worried. <laughs> were you? I was no. never worried. I was with you. Uh, the only thing better than being with you uh, figuratively would have been with you literally in the hockey basement. But I, I wasn't lucky enough to have that opportunity. Uh, you know, the other thing I would do. So let's flip to Rod Brindamore, Jacob Slavin. Be ready to play as many minutes as, as Zabanajad plays. Be as ready to play because you know what? I'm telling my whole defense. When 93 is out on the ice, 74 is out on the ice for us. <laughs> That's who's out. Jacob, be ready to play. Jacob, have a good night's sleep Sunday. <laughs> we'll see you at game time. <laughs> You're playing lots. Yeah. And Jacob, Jacob can play. He can play lots. Yeah. And if there's not that many penalties or none, then you're not wasting PK time. It could be pronger time uh, for the Canes top four. Uh, speaking of time, people are saying, well, okay, if you've analyzed the series, you've done all your stuff. What do you like and who you like? Well, Mr. Button. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book, 19 plus, play responsibly. We got games, they are big. You go first, my friend. Okay, I'll go first. I mean, you know, Carolina hasn't lost at home. So what makes me think they're going to lose game seven against the New York Rangers at home? Nothing. 
But the Rangers, you know, had to win some games where they had their backs up against the wall, and they've won some games on the road. Good game one, terrible game five. What are we going to get in game seven? I'm going Canes. I'm going Canes. I'm not betting against Canes at home. I think Roddy Brindamore understands what he needs to do to get his team ready to move him on to the next round against Tampa Bay. Both teams are like all quiet on the Western front. No soldier outlives a thousand chances. I mean, the Rangers would have to go 5-0 and facing elimination. The Canes would have to go 8-0 and at home in the playoffs. They've already won six straight game sevens. That would be another one. I think the Canes had a few kill shots, and I'm just going to bet Igor over Ante. Igor over Ante, 1-0, 2-1, empty netter. Listen, I took the Canes. I'm 11 for 11 in our pool. I think they've had chances, and I'm just going to softly, softly take the Rangers. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And I like, you know, all those things are legitimate. That's what makes it so good. You know what? That's why, you know, sports interaction. They'll give you a little bit more confidence to figure out what line you want to bet, who you want to bet on. Winning goal, Steve. Winning goal. You named the winning goalie. Who's the winning goal goal scorer? Mika Zibanejad scores five straight. Okay, I'm supporting you on that. <laughs> Rangers win. I'm going with Jan Zibanejad. Yeah, if it's on the other side, I'm taking Seth Jarvis. But that's why we play the games. And if you want to play the games and put some Sazich in your pocket, the most competitive odds are sports interaction. And they make it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. I like the St. Louis Blues. I like the Calgary Flames. Some teams are just good enough not to be great enough to keep moving on, which is a manager's decision and dilemma in the offseason. But we've already done Calgary and Edmonton. We're talking about St. Louis and Colorado. And I, it just feels right. Like when Darren Helm scored, it just felt right. That's it. Absin six. St. Louis had some moments, but Colorado was better. Colorado is better. Darcy Kemper needed to put up, you know, two or less. And, and he did. And you love Jordan Bennington. And so do I, when you don't have your number one, as we've just discussed, you leave yourself vulnerable for whatever situation, injuries, health, well, you know, but in this situation, you know, the abs get over a major second round hurdle as they should have, as they are on paper and they are to the eye test. This is going to be a fun Western Conference final, but St. Louis can't say woulda, coulda, shoulda, Craig. When Darren Helm scored, that's what I thought was justice. Abs in six, they were that much better for most of the six games, in my opinion. Yeah, they were, and they had some lapses. You give credit to the St. Louis Blues. Here, here's a couple of things that I'll say about the St. Louis Blues. And, and, and at the end of this, I'd, I'd like to make a comment about the Calgary Flames at order series, just with a little benefit of a few days of thought. Uh, St. Louis has a good team. It's a different team that won in 2019. But when you look at the roster, you look at the salary cap, David Perron is the only unrestricted free agent. I know Tyler Bozak's an unrestricted free agent. Maybe they bring him back. And all that. But significant player, only David Perron is an unrestricted free agent. I mean, Billy Huso is too, but I think there's two things that have happened for the Blues. You know what? They've seen some younger players take some steps forward, and, and that's significant. Steve, you may not know the name. You may know the name. 
Zachary Bolduc, who was the St. Louis Blues first round draft pick in 2021. He's playing in Quebec for Patrick Waugh. He is an excellent young player. He is a, he is a player that has all the qualities of, of, of a top notch winger. He can score. He's got power. He can make plays. So they have him. They have Jake Neighbors, who played games this year for them. You know, the, who's now with the Edmonton Oil Kings. I mean, those two players could be playing in the Memorial Cup. That's how good those teams are at Quebec and Edmonton. Jordan Bennington finding his game. That that's good news for Doug Armstrong. Here's the good news: whatever way he goes, let's say that there's interest in Jordan Bennington. Well, teams will have a lot greater confidence in Jordan Bennington having seen him play so well. But so will Doug Armstrong in the St. Louis Blues. Options, right? Options. And so the one area that I would say for Doug, he, he's, he got his team some really good experience. I, I, I love the moves that he had made. Adding a couple of defensemen, one little bit of bulk with them, a little bit of weight that had some resemblance to that 2019 blue line. I, I think it would go a long ways towards helping the St. Louis Blues. And I, I'm, you know, there's some, there, I mean, Josh Manson's out there. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year, but I do know this. That's a good St. Louis Blues team. And, and I think that they can take significant steps forward. They just weren't quite at the level of the Colorado Avalanche this year. They're not far off, though, with a, with a move here or there that could bolster their lineup and with a couple of young players that could bump up and play. And I think, and you're the perfect guy to talk to about this, uh, Zachary Bolduc and, and Jake Neighbors are examples of how the wheel turns. Because if Colorado, well, they're going to probably lose Manson, let's say. They're probably going to lose Nazem Kadri, But we, we don't know for sure. But then one team comes down a couple notches. But in, unless you can do what Tampa did, Tampa lost their third line. They're going to be worse. They're going to finish third. Well, they were worse and they did finish third, but they added Brandon Hagel, right? They added Nick Paul. So they kind of made the third line as good, better, almost as good. And they haven't missed a beat as we're at episode 69 right now. So if the blues were to add Bold Duke and neighbors to go along with the growing of Robert Thomas and the growing of Jordan Cairo and Cairo may becomes a bit better defensively. Perron says, you know, I like it here. They like me. We do a nice, you know, favorable three-year deal. He's on the power play. Colorado loses somebody. Now those, the narrative does change. And you're right. Bennington maybe is dealt for, I don't know, William Nylander or something. And so Bennington's gone and bring somebody in and we say, don't to, need Nylander. Stop it. Stop. I'm it, just, stop I'm it. throwing up. I'm trying, I'm saying Bennington's a, a catch. They maybe need a defenseman. Okay. If you're trading Jordan Bennington, you're trying to catch a defenseman. A Jake Chikrin type. I, I don't go. think they're making that trade, but yeah, but 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 that's exactly what you're talking about. But 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 Steve, it might end up in a different way. You might be able to trade some of your some, one one of your younger players. You know, I I just mentioned neighbors and Bulldog, right? Jake Neighbors plays with Dylan Gunther. Huh. Well, wait a sec. Who who drafted Dylan Gunther? Oh, the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, where does Jacob Chikrin play? Oh, the Arizona Coyotes. You know, there's always ways to manipulate a potential trade or talk about it, right? So I, I'm not I'm not here saying that they'll do that or they wouldn't do that. I'm just saying that that's the thing. There's no way. I'm just telling you. There's no way I'm trading Jordan Bennington at $6 million for a $7 million William Nylander when I don't need that offense. Their problem is an offense. <laughs> I'm not doing it. That's me. Now, maybe Doug Wood. I'm not doing it. Not right. a chance. 
Well, when I when I was in Calgary and you know teams phoned me about Derek Morris, I was very clear. We, if I'm trading Derek Morris, we had a good blue line. I need a center. Well, teams tried to offer me this guy and that guy. They told me this guy could play center. No, 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 no. And ultimately, what did we do? We ended up trading him for two centers, Chris Drury and uh, Stefan Yell. I mean, I was true to my word. I told everybody what I would do. And to me, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm not trading. Like, my offense is good. I, and, and don't forget about Ivan Barbashev, who had a breakout year, who has been a really good player for the St. Louis Blues. I think the Blues are close. And I'm, and that was a good team. And that was a great trade by you. I'm looking at it this way. Um, Tarasenko might be gone in a year. Um, also, about other players who we might not need but would make us better is Matthew Kachuk. Is he resigning in Calgary? Or is there something there with some of the younger players with the Flames and Blues? I, I mean, we're just – it's a fun conversation. It's more of a sexy um, – Silly season. And don't worry, when we hit June, we'll kind of be in the silly season. But let's get back to the, the abs now. So Bill Waters, Bill Waters. If ifs and buts were candies <laughs> and nuts, wouldn't what, what how's it finished? Wouldn't Christmas wouldn't life We'd be all have a Merry Christmas? Christmas, yeah. Yeah. But only one <laughs> so, team wins. So, so so Matthew Kachuk. Okay, like you don't think the Calgary Flames don't want him? <laughs> no, I think that they do. I'm just throwing it out there because it's sexy. I know it's it is sexy. Right, Matthew, St. Louis, Blues have these prospects. But anyway, Colorado, at first blush, McKinnon versus McDavid is candies and nuts and, and chocolates and what is it? See, here's the whole thing. The best 29 in the series is Leon Dreisaitl. It's not, it's not Nathan McKinnon. The best 29 plays for the Edmonton Oilers. Why does everybody forget about Leon Dreisaitl? They do. The guy scored 50 goals twice. He's won the Hart Trophy, won the Art Ross, won the Ted Lindsay. Okay? Like, why does everybody forget about Leon Dreisaitl? Leon Dreisaitl's better than McKinnon. Everybody wants to make it about McDavid McKinnon. I, I, I'm going to tell the Colorado Avalanche right now, you, you, better, you better mark number 29 on the Edmonton Autos. Because if you don't, you're in big trouble. Just like the Calgary Flames were. Just like that. And right at the end, Daryl said the best player beat us. Uh-uh, Daryl. You missed it. You missed it. You didn't see the forest for the trees, Daryl. The best player didn't beat you. <laughs> the team beat you. And you look at, and think about it. Connor was unbelievable. Leon had 17 points in five games. So just chew on that. The best 29 plays for Edmonton, not Colorado. Well, I asked you last week, who's your number two? And you said 29, Leon Dreisaitl that he is the guy and the argument of who you'd rather have now, who's all that kind of stuff. If you hit pause, you have to say Leon Dreisaitl has been better, has the cachet with the awards. And that doesn't mean the other 29 can pass them, but the, the real miss is people miss Leon. They miss him. They want it to be about Sexy McDavid. They want it to be about Austin Matthews. They want it to be about Nate McKinnon. And they miss Leon Dreisaitl. I know Bob Stoffer put a big shot out there. He must have been talking to people, and then he tweeted out, Leon Dreisaitl versus Austin Matthews. And it was, and I, I thought, okay, it's a shot, and it's, it's not a fresh argument because Matthews isn't there. What is fresh is this. The Edmonton Oilers have two of the blank 
or the best, like McCarr, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, McDavid? Do the Oilers have the best two players in the series as the series begins, Craig? Yes. Okay. You know, last series, Edmonton and Calgary, they had four of the top eight scorers in the National Hockey League this year. You know, you had McDavid and you had Dreisaitl and you had Kachuk and you had, and you had uh, Goudreau. Right. So like, so this, uh, I mean, are, are we going to forget about Ratnan? Are we going to forget about Ratnan too? I mean, Ratnan's a fantastic player. We know how good McCarr is. We know them. They, Nathan McKinnon's a superstar. I hope nobody thinks that um, you're not sitting here, but what Leon Dreisaitl does, <laughs> like, and it's Steve, I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about I'm taking Dreisaitl ahead of McKinnon. <laughs> There, there's my stake in the ground. <laughs> I'm not like, like who doesn't want a two-time 50-goal score? Nathan hasn't scored 50 goals in his career. Nathan hasn't won a Art Ross. Nathan hasn't won a Hart. Okay, Nathan hasn't scored 17 points in a playoff series. <laughs> I'm not here to knock. I'm just, and it's not. I don't want this to be a, a knock on Nathan McKinnon because it's not. I love him. I love him. He's a great player. He wants to make a difference in the game. I'm, if I have to make the choice, I get the choice. I'm taking Leon Dreisaitl. And it's a strong argument. It's hard to disagree. I'm going to just in a hair of a chinny chin chin by saying if I had to place the three of them or four of them on different teams and I pick second and McDavid was gone, I probably would take Nate McKinnon. And the argument would have to be for me this second dot, 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 and moving forward. Because you win the argument on dot, 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 for sure looking back because of everything Leon's done. And when he's healthy, he kills penalties more than any of the other top guys other than 37 and 63 in Boston in terms of elite players. McDavid starting to kill at the end of a penalty. I think I like what Jake Woodcroft does. But you know this, it takes, you know, a village to win the cup. So now we've got the Avs defense against the Oilers defense. We've got Darcy Kemper. We've got Mike Smith. So it's going to at least go six. But does it feel, before we start, like if everything goes according to Hoyle, Avs in six? I, I, I've said this all the way through the year. I think the Avs are the class of the West. Okay. I thought the Calgary Flames were the second best team in the West with a legitimate chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. The Edmonton Oilers played played really well against the Calgary Flames. They benefited from Jacob Markstrom being really subpar. No indication that Jacob was going to play at that level, but he did. Mike Smith was giving up four goals a game and, you know, outside of the one goal a game, right? And so, like, you know, the, the series between Calgary, and this is what I wanted to talk about. Calgary and Edmonton, it was entertaining. It was compelling. There was a lot of sloppy hockey, Okay. And I don't think the Oilers can get away with sloppy hockey against the, uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. Because the Colorado Avalanche, you know, you look at that, you know, with Eric Johnson and Josh Matson coming in to really, really, re like, to me, help Taze, help McCarr, and Bowen Byram's a player. Bowen Byram, yes, they missed Samuel Girard. But, you know, Gabe Landeskog is playing unbelievably well. Like, he's playing great right now. And, you know, and you, you watch all those things. I just see a team and, and it's probably how I felt about Calgary going in against Edmonton last series is that, but Edmonton was sloppy against LA and they got through it. Yes. They took advantage of a sloppy Calgary team and they deserve a lot of marks for it. Sloppy ain't going to get you past Colorado. 
And so I'm with the Avs in six. Yeah, and there's going to be sloppy moments in this series too, which will yes. make it fun. And there's no, you know, Falk and Pareko to clean up the mat. Like, we really believe that CC, Bouchard, Keith, Nurse are going to be able to handle. Like, so who's, so who's on McKinnon? If Dreisaitl went back to two and it was McKinnon and, and or, um, McKinnon 97, Leon matchup, you know, with Kadri, it might be different. So now who's the Ryan O'Reilly? Who's going to make sure that the leakage doesn't happen with the Oilers defense? Like as good as the Kings you think, or the flames are, this is different. And it worked against the flames and some guys were subpar. I don't, there's not a lot of subpar guys here in the top six. So who's going to match up against those guys? I mean, McKinnon, Rantanen on his own line, Landis Cog back on the top line. I'm intrigued how this top six storyline goes, which means they're even more focused on Ryan Nugent Hopkins to continue to play well. Yeah, and, and I, I think Ryan will play well. I, I think one of the, the, the real, like one of the things I'm going to watch for, and he, and he, he got progressively stronger as, as the series went on, and that's Leon Dreisaitl. Can you take Leon Dreisaitl now and put him back in the middle of the ice? You know you have the benefit of putting them with McDavid, putting them together, but can you put them back in the middle of the ice, which now gives you 97, 29, 93. And, and, and I think that the health of Leon Dreisaitl and being able to, you know, really just drive things for, for a line, he, he's more than, he know, we know he's done that and he's more than capable. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, he plays with McDavid. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That, you think it's all just about him playing with McDavid? <laughs> okay. Think what you, think what you may. If he's healthy, if it, and, and he, he was, Steve, he was getting way stronger. You can see it from game one through game five. Now a little bit of rest. The strength comes back. He, you can see more leverage in his game. I think that'll be a key. I think that that's where they could get a, they could get a real boost, uh, like, you know, with Nugent Hopkins being in that third hole. And then you can always load up. Jay, Jay has made some really what I call deft maneuvers with his lineup. You know, game five. Evander Kane just wasn't there. I mean, he, he, his, he, he, his girlfriend had given birth to their child. You know, the, the excitement, the emotion of all that. He just, Jay recognized it. He said, what? Zach Hyman, you're up there. Let's go. Some deft maneuvers. And I, he, he's, got some, he's got some tools in that tool belt that he can use at different situations. And if they do go, Connor, Leon, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, RNH plays with Yamamoto. The third line advantage switches to Edmonton, in my opinion. If yep. Puliarvi and Hyman and Kane continue to do their thing, so that's key now. So that's an option. And we might not start the series, but but maybe by the time we get back to Edmonton, if 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 not if twenty nine thinks I can do my own line again, that would be trouble for Colorado. It's sexy. We can't wait. Yes, <laughs> it should be absent six. But if the Oilers pull this one out, oh my goodness, my friend. Oh my goodness. So Final I'm going to ask you this. I want to ask you this though. I want to follow this up. Okay. So you say if they pull this one up, out. Okay. So I'm going to take you back in time a little while. And I'm going to ask you, and, and this was brought up to me. Okay. It was brought up to me by Jason Greger. So I'd, I'd like to tell you it's an original thought. He put the thought in my head. I'm watering it now. <laughs> Are these Edmonton orders? Could you say there might be a similarity between these Edmonton orders of 2022 
and the Pittsburgh Penguins of 2009. I know the Penguins lost in 08, okay? But could there be a similarity between this team in 2022 for the Oilers and the Pens in 2009? They lost in the cup final in 08. Uh, yeah, I know. So they learned from that. That Pittsburgh's goalie was a first overall pick, right? Um, they were younger. They had more depth, I think, on the blue line in terms of, you know, 0809 is a long time ago for hell. And I, I, and I know, I know. yeah, and I know what you're saying. Stall Melk and Crosby three, two, one, moving up. So um, I think I'll let that percolate as well. Okay. Uh, okay. If they, if they start to win and, and it works one, two, three, it'll be a sexy storyline. Um, but I, off the top of my head, I would have said, convince me you've thrown some ideas in there. Um, but it's interesting. It's something to think about. Uh, but but they have to be winners. They have to be one, two, three down the middle. Uh, and then Nurse would have to be a left-handed Latang and company, right? Like at that point, they'd have, have to be, and he's been banged up too, let's remember. He's less than 100%. There's no question about it. His, his minutes are down. Cody Cece's played exceptionally well with him. Keith has played really, really well. Kulak's played really well. So, I mean, you, you know, you're going to, uh, you, you know, without a healthy, without a hundred percent Darnell nurse, that puts a stress on you. I, you know, Jason Greger put that to me. I hadn't thought about it either, Steve, but I said, interesting, interesting. I know it's a long time ago, but interesting thought, like, you know, and keep in mind that this is that sometimes it's not what you or me thinks, but if the, if, if the Edmonton Oilers are in that mindset, hey, why can't we win this thing? Like, you know, we're there, right? And, you know, you learn at different points in time. And we've seen Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel take their games to another level. Could be pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, it's great to look at things, whether you agree or disagree from all, whatever ideology. You it's always good to look at things in all four dimensions and just say, hey, how do I look at this? Consider this. Maybe there's a parallel. Maybe there's not but I'd rather look or talk and try than just be stringent to the earth is flat and I don't care what Galileo thinks. So we do look at it from many different ways. Uh, this perfectly leads us to final thoughts brought to you by ultimate hockey fans, not a person or a group of people, but a product, a must for every hockey basement. Our buddy, Paul Cohen will take care of you. Ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our massive discount. Craig, Final thoughts. Speed kills. We're going to see so much speed in the uh, Colorado Edmonton series. And I mean, we saw a lot of it uh, during the Calgary series, you know, and Connor McDavid was, was unbelievable, but the way the, the way that Colorado avalanche avalanche play, they play with that speed and that, and that forces you into mistakes. And really, you know, when you think about the winning goal, think about the series winning goal, think about it. Like, you know, you have Eric Johnson. He says, I'm not waiting. We're going right after this right now, right? Like we're going up there, you know, land a star drive into the net. That's the way the Colorado, they come at you. And I think that that's going to be something that the Edmonton Oilers are going to have to handle. The fourth line for the Calgary Flames doesn't have the speed of the fourth line of the Colorado Avalanche. You know, Helm and Cogliano and O'Connor, they can disrupt you. And it might be eight minutes, might be seven minutes, might be nine or whatever. All I know is that I think that they can play a little bit differently and create a little bit uh, more headaches for the Edmonton Oilers than the uh, fourth line of the Calgary Flames did.
I know you love this guy. I love him too. I'm just going to tag that by say Bull Byram. The, the pass he made to Comfort to get the at. Bull Byram is too good even now and too low in the lineup on a team that's that deep. He can change things on his pair against matchups that work for him because as he keeps playing, he will move up. At worst, he'll be a top four in his career. If his head issues are gone and he's a he'll be a top pair guy. He's He's something, man, and he will be a difference maker with one pass. Look at his assists in these playoffs. He threads needles like he's my grandma doing a little thing here, one kerchief too, because he's got that kind of special skill, Mr. Craig Button. Before you take us home, I'm going to mention one thing. Mike Dick, who coached Bo and Byram at a younger age, and he coached him in Vancouver with the uh, Giants. You know, Bo and Byram is the only defenseman in the history of the WHL as a, the, to lead the playoffs in scoring over time of game seven before they lost to Prince Albert. But you know what Mike Dick called them? A 200 foot defenseman. See kids, he's a hockey player, not a defenseman, which means <laughs> there's times that the defenseman is a forward and then vice versa. So remember that. I love it. Bo Byram is a 200 foot defenseman. Oh, and if you walk down the street, and you see an NHL referee, kiss them and hug them. After what we saw in Finland, and and you're complaining about our guys, that's like complaining about a Miss Universe pageant and saying, well, I don't know how much I really like the uh, swimsuit competition. No, listen, folks, a debacle. Not the first time. The IIHF should have a nice little uh, post-mortem on what went right and what went wrong. So when you see a retired or current referee, Craig, give him a big hug and say, hey, you guys are doing a great round. In round two, I do think it'll continue moving forward. I give them virtual hugs all the time. People don't want to listen when I say the best officials in the world are in the NHL. But of course, everybody wants to go, oh, no, no, it isn't. Let me tell you this too. Everybody wants to talk about the rule about after that disallowed uh, uh, Blake Coleman goal. I'll say this. There's nothing wrong with the rule. The rule doesn't have to be changed. What needs to happen is the people or the persons responsible for overturning that call need to be held accountable. It was the wrong call. Tell us, tell us what you, you know, tell us why. So we, oh, we've misinterpreted the rule all these years. Oh, okay. So that's right. Get us an explanation so we understand not that here's the rule and that's it. That's a soft, that's a C minus answer to an A plus situation. Distinct kicking motion. And I'll, I'll finish it with this, Steve. Before you take us home <laughs> for the second time, I will finish with this. Look up the word distinct. It's very, there was no distinct kicking motion there. There's no way anybody can call it a distinct kicking motion. The rule doesn't need to be changed. And if you want to know what distinct means, I'll tell you this. I'll use an, I'll, I'll use an analogy. The nose on my face is distinct. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, we've talked about it anyway. We don't think it cost the Flames the series. The Flames cost themselves the series and good for the professionalism of Daryl Sutter in it and Michael Backlund who had the quote that said that call wasn't the factor there were other factors involved for Craig Button Bruce Bolton I'm Steve Coolius the elongated edition of number 69 
We're back with number 70 later in the week. It'll be June. Be well.